GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hi, I'm Justine Cartwright, and every week I bring you life stories on GBC television. Everyone has a story to tell, and on the programme we meet people from all walks of life, and we listen to their stories and personal journey in their own words. There is one thing, of course, that we all have in common, and that is death, dying. It's inevitable. But in those moments when family and friends are at their worst, grieving, who do we turn to? Well, that would be a funeral director, possibly one of the saddest jobs in the world. Today, we find out more from Adrian. Let's meet him. Adrian, you've just retired as a teacher. Yes. Literally, on Friday you had your, um, your retirement due, but you're a man of many talents <laughs> and you literally don't want to stop working. Yeah. Now you've taken up what could be said as one of the saddest jobs in the world um, and you've become a funeral director. Why? I don't know, it's just uh, the... I was going to carry on working in school, I was fine with that, but I, I could retire if I wanted. And then I knew this job became available. I worked all my life with people, uh, through my union work, through my church work, so I've always been involved with helping people with their problems and so on. And I was just looking for a new challenge. I wanted to get possibly away from the day-to-day -day, uh, pressures of school and slowly... Uh, begin to kind of retire slowly, uh, be out and about a bit more as well, and help in a different way, and I found it like a pleasant challenge. I spoke to my family about it to see how they felt. Uh, I spoke to my, to my daughters as well, because I felt it was important, because dad was going to become a funeral director, and maybe it's not everybody's cup of tea. And everybody encouraged me, to be honest, and I went along and... I, I've taken to it like a fish to water, I think, because of my background uh, previously and all the things I've done. What things do you think a funeral director has to have? Characteristics, personality traits, strengths, weaknesses. It's a very specific job. You've got to be very assertive uh, because everything, especially in Gibraltar, happens very quickly. Uh, be somebody that can develop a good rapport with all the different uh, institutions, agencies that we have to work with. The, the empathic side, person, a person with, with a lot of empathy because we are dealing with very, very uh, sensitive situations. Uh, every funeral is different. Um, be well organized as well, as I said. Uh, those, those sort of skills, really. Uh, be a people person and, and be comfortable dealing with people who are going through a very hard time and not let it get to you. So. Well, that's the difficult bit. How do you not let it get to you? You're human as well. It's difficult, yes, uh, and, and I can be quite an emotional person, so uh, at the beginning it was quite difficult. I, I found myself in funerals and a couple of times I'd I maybe find some tears coming out of my eyes and I said, I, I've got to deal with this. So I went back to, to my colleagues in Daros and, uh, who helped me, obviously far more experienced people, and, and they, they began to give me tips on how to, how to deal with that really. Uh, 
to make sure that I didn't become too cold during a funeral and last going through the motions, but I was also able to deal with uh, the grief that other people were going through. And that's, that's the key, isn't it? It's about having a happy medium because you have to be doing your job, but you have to be a feeling person and be respectful towards those other yeah. people's feelings too. So it's, it's quite a difficult one to juggle. And it's, it, you have to be able to do it because uh, you have to be the person in a, in a funeral when people call you, you have to be the person that's holding everything together, really. Because uh, I might get a phone call and you get all sorts of phone calls. Uh, a very common one is, I need help, please. What do I do? I've never faced this before. Uh, I knew my mother was going to pass away, but I'm not prepared for it. <clears throat> So, so you have to be able to take control from the very, very beginning. Uh, let people, put people at ease. Uh, only this morning I received a phone call and uh, straight away I put the family at ease uh, and I'll be visiting them a little bit later and tell them all the different alternatives there is, obviously, and you have to be able to uh, put the family's wishes at the helm and whatever they want is what you have to do. You always try to accommodate as much as possible. Yeah, and, and you must see this many, many times because, um, like I will say in my intro, it's the one thing that we all have in common and yet so many, so few people actually prepare for the inevitable. So you've got grieving family members who are thrown for six, they're, they're in a situation and they come to rely on you to see them out of this very, very difficult period. But... A lot of people are not talking about or leaving behind instructions or this is what I'd like for my funeral or the music that I would like to be played, etc., etc. You do deal with that in Beato. We, we have to deal with everything, really, and, it, and it's difficult. It is difficult because uh, everybody is not close to the relative, to the relative that passes away. So uh, we, we've had people that have passed away, people that live on their own in Gibraltar and the families away, abroad. We get phone calls from around the world and maybe they don't have a clue what's, what the person wanted, uh, access to the person's uh, uh, accounts, their wishes. Uh, so it is important that we talk about this. Uh, we need to, to, become, to break those boundaries down. Uh, I've, I've also found that with my own parents when they passed away. You know? And know what the person wants. Uh, what were their wishes? Did they want to go to the church? Did they want a priest? Did they, did they want flowers? Did they not want flowers? Uh, why? Um, is a particular music that they want? To, uh, do they want the people dressed in a certain way? Uh, it is an important conversation, and we don't always have it. And when it's somebody very close, it tends to happen a bit more. But sometimes it's even maybe an uncle, an aunt, a neighbor, and, and somebody has to take over. And we have to give the person as dignified a farewell as we can, really. That's how I see it. So the better prepared we are for it, the better it is. Adrian, Gibraltar must be very different and have its challenges. We know now with Brexit in the pipeline that the frontier has become a big stumbling block. When you think about burials in Gibraltar, you just think about your family and it being here. But of course, there are so many different angles. You have people who you send away. Um, you told me somebody went to Germany. Yeah. You have Spanish workers and families in Gibraltar who might want to be buried back at home. They have to cross the frontier. How are you dealing with all of this? It's, it's becoming very complicated trying to get a deceased out, out of Gibraltar through the frontier. 
Uh, bringing them in is not a problem at all. We, it, it is all done in a very, very efficient way. In Spain, uh, it's all dealt with very, very efficiently as well. Uh, the only difference they have in Spain is they have to wait 24 hours before anything can be done. You cannot do anything whatsoever. Here in Gibraltar, everything happens yesterday. So, but we do, we do repatriate uh, uh, people back to Gibraltar and we, we send all over the world as well. So we have to meet uh, legislation, environmental legislation. We deal with all, with all the agencies, both here and in Spain. Uh, all of them on both sides are always, as I said, very efficient. Uh, in Gibraltar, there's always people on call in every department to help us out. And, and we do deal with it, yes, but it, it can be difficult at times. It can be difficult uh, because some go a very long way. So, yeah. Right. The other thing about JIB is it's multi-faith. And you have to deal with a lot of maybe odd requests for you, but in their culture would be very ordinary for them. How does Gibraltar uh, adapt and be able to supply a service for multi-faiths? and different things like that? Traditionally in Gibraltar, we've always had the Catholic funerals because of the Catholic sort of belief in Gibraltar for so many years. Uh, Gibraltar's uh, community is changing very, very fast. Uh, we are becoming uh, very wide and varied in the sort of people we have now uh, in Gibraltar, the cultures they have, the beliefs they have. And again, as funeral directors, uh, anywhere around the world really, uh, you don't say no to families. You always try to accommodate whatever <clears throat> their wishes are. If it's a religious uh, funeral, we will have uh, ministers who are on duty. We will contact them, uh, get availability, and uh, use the church that we need. Uh, but we do offer all sorts of other things. We have uh, humanist funerals as well, which are uh, quite a big thing in the UK. And we have a couple of humanist uh, celebrants that will come down, and we hold it here in the in the crematorium generally, if, if the person is going to be cremated. Um, and they come along, they will meet with the family beforehand, and uh, it, it's, it's quite a pleasant service as well. It's all about the person that's passed away. Uh, there are also some families that want nothing, really. Uh, they want nothing. We just uh, collect the body. They might just say a farewell at the door here, and that's it. And there's no celebration or no, no service as such. So we have to cater for, for all the tastes. And then... We also have the beliefs as well. There's the Hindu community in Gibraltar, the Hebrew community, the Muslim community. We have to deal with their uh, regulations and beliefs and, and types of service that they have. When you talk about the crematorium, and we're in it today, it's my first time here. It's, it's quite a room. Um, we didn't always have a crematorium, and we are very, very short for space. How has the mindset changed towards being cremated? We, we're finding that more and more people are uh, going for the cremation option. Uh, it obviously involves an extra cost because of the use of the crematorium. But people, at the beginning, it was a bit of a taboo subject. But as people have been coming up here uh, after the church service and, and having the, the short service that we have here before the cremation, uh, after people have been receiving ashes and seeing that it's a, in, a, in a little casket that some people prefer to keep them at home, some people uh, uh, will bury them in the cemetery who accommodates that without any problem. Some people, I believe, bury them at sea or scatter them at sea. Um, but it's becoming more popular. I think people are seeing it as a different way and it's not an issue really. People are keen on it. 
The cost of funerals is a very, very big issue. How, how, how does being cremated compare to being buried or anything else? Gibraltar has a cemetery, which has uh, the traditional vaults, which are very, it's very much a Mediterranean thing. You find them all around uh, the Mediterranean countries. And a lot of families will own vaults. So, and, the, and the vaults are recycled all the time, obviously. Uh, they, they are open and, and new, new deceased are put in there. So in that sense, there isn't a big issue because uh, there is uh, plenty of space in the cemetery within the vaults. It becomes an issue when we have a client that wants to be buried in the cemetery. It's getting harder and harder to find the space where you can bury someone. A little bit easier to bury ashes, but not so easy to bury a person. So that is becoming an issue, but as I said, the vault side of it isn't a, a big issue. Uh, during the COVID pandemic, we had to, uh, the, the government built what are called the nichos that we have commonly known in Spain. Those are at the cemetery as well and those are used on occasions. Not so much, but they tend to be used when somebody, a family maybe is caught on the hop because their vault cannot be opened for a particular reason, or if it's somebody that doesn't have anywhere to be buried, there's, there's plenty of space there at the moment. So, so yeah, it's, I don't think it's a huge issue at the moment in Gibraltar. Going back to COVID, <coughs> people would like to know this because it, it was such a terrible time in that we lost so many of our elderly population in Jib. I mean, and, and people at that point couldn't go and see their loved ones and say their goodbyes. Only very few could attend the funeral. How did you cope and what was it like? It was difficult because, uh, especially in that January when about 80 or 90 people passed away in one go, uh, we were dealing, I believe, with up to six funerals a day, which, which was quite hard. Uh, also, People like to do things at a fast pace in Gibraltar, and due to COVID, medical certificates were taking longer. Doctors obviously were a bit reluctant to sign straight away, so they would take a little bit more time, which are perfectly entitled to. Um, so there was a lot of pressure on people. Um, also families, very few people were allowed in when the person was passing away. So people couldn't really say their goodbyes as we normally like to do in, in this part of the world. Uh, maybe one person was there at, at the time of death, and that was it. And then you would just see the coffin arrive at the cemetery, and only very, very few people would be there. Uh, I lost quite a few friends, and I wasn't able to, to go to, to the cemetery. I had to respect that. So that happened. It was even worse up here, really, because when it was a cremation, the, the relatives couldn't even come up to the crematorium. They had to stay down below on the street by the, by the lay-by down there and watch the hearse come past uh, from your car, basically say goodbye from your car. So that must have been awful for people. So, so it was a very difficult time, difficult time for the hospital because in the morgue had to bring in extra uh, areas to keep the, the bodies. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it was quite hard work. We had to have extra storage uh, for, to be able to, to cope with the influx of, of people that were passing away. Coffins, you yeah. had to buy extra coffins. Extra coffins and extra storage place uh, to be able to keep them, yeah. The big, the big issue culturally in Gibraltar, we all have our, our, our things. Um, culturally, what was very, very important that we used to do was have our mortuary. That's been a big, big issue in Jib. That was taken away during COVID, things had to change. Uh, people are crying out for, for being able to have that back. 
How, if anything, does that affect your business as a funeral director? It affects because it, it's a mixed bag of, of what people think, really, because uh, some people are fine with the way it is nowadays. Uh, other people still want that side of it. Uh, and, and we get asked, and unfortunately, at the moment, nothing can be done. The person passes away, they're put into storage, and then we have to arrange a funeral, and the next thing they'll see is the coffin arriving at the church. And for some families, that is very hard. Some families would like to still have a place like we used to have uh, in the hospital, uh, a viewing area, funeral home, call it what, what you may, but some people still want that. Um, I believe government put out some, some options in the press and people have been invited to, to apply or put proposals forward. I, don't, I honestly don't know what's happening with that. Uh, but if something does come of that, then obviously we will have to deal with it. The best we do nowadays is just maybe a family asked if they can bring the disease maybe an hour before to the church. If, if the church can accommodate it on that day, it is done so they can spend a little time uh, with, the, with the family prior to the funeral because the funeral service itself is not a long service. Obviously, uh, people don't want to be there a very long time because it's not, not the most pleasant of experiences really for a family. So obviously they spend that little bit of time beforehand sometimes if it can be accommodated, but sometimes we're unable to. That's mainly in the case of when most people die in hospital. Um, people also die at home. Does that make any difference to you as a funeral director? Generally it doesn't because when a person passes away at home, normally the, the health authority will deal with it and the ambulance will come around and normally the person gets uh, removed from the home and taken down to the hospital. On occasions we've had families that want to keep the relative at home uh, until the funeral and again we have to accept the wishes of the family and as long as the health authority are okay with it then obviously we, the coffin will be taken to the house and the person would be laid there until we go uh, to the funeral the following day. So we, we do accommodate that without any problem. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about wishes, it's a very, very personal thing, and I'm sure you've come across some very odd wishes and some very run-of-the-mill wishes. How do you accommodate that? I mean, are there any rules as to what you can or can't do? Put in the coffin with your loved one, for example, lay a flag on your coffin, um, different flowers, different songs. Is, is there guidelines Yeah, obviously there is. For example, the Catholic Church has its own rules during uh, Catholic funerals as to what, what can be put on a coffin in a church and so on. So, so sometimes we do have slight issues with that and families, eventually, most people tend to understand. Uh, so, and we try and uh, follow the person's wishes as much as we can. The crematorium, for example, uh, are very specific as to how the composition of the coffin, for example, and what can go in a coffin. Uh, we need to remove any metal objects and so on, they cannot go into the furnace. So uh, generally they need to know if anything is going in. The, the one that causes the big issue is pacemakers. The pacemaker cannot go into a cremation chamber because of the battery that's on it. How interesting. So and jewellery? That has to be removed. Jewellery in the same way. It's, it, it will cause problems afterwards for, for, the, for the people that work up here. So if it's a coffin then we get all sorts of requests, put a photograph in, a favourite blanket, uh, the, the dog's lead, uh, whatever. Uh, as I said, photographs, sporting equipment, 
uh, sporting medals we had recently, they, they went in. So, so yeah, we always try and accommodate what we can. Yeah. It makes it nice. It's, it's very comforting from, for the grieving family to be able to, to, to make that a very personal touch. I, I think it is, especially if it's something that was very personal to the person and it's going to be of no use to anybody else. And if it's very special to the person, well, let them take it with them. If that keeps the family happy, if that gives the family better closure, uh, uh, it's not like in, I don't know, I suppose the ancient Egyptians where they used to take all their possessions and all their people with them. Uh, we just accommodate what we can. And if, as I said, if it helps in the grieving process, we are more than happy to accommodate it, yes. Adrian, it makes me think about how Gibraltar, how small <coughs> Gibraltar is. And when somebody passes, it, the whole place knows within the hour, whether it be a social media post or phone calls or somebody at work who knows somebody else. Um, but with regards to you working in the industry, that must be very, very tough. You must have had people you know pass and had to deal with that and put on you know, your, your work hat as such. Yeah. Um, dealing with young adults who pass, children who pass. How do you handle that? It's difficult, it's difficult because uh, you can be faced with anything on any day. Um, a couple of months ago, I remember up here at the crematorium on that day, uh, I had two funerals and it hit it home a little bit because the first gentleman had been born three days before me, actually. So, so we were the same age and the next gentleman was born a month after me. So, so I was dealing with the funeral on that day, it was a Saturday, I remember, uh, of two people that were my age and one of them I knew personally. So it, it, it's not easy. You've got to keep everything together and at the same time deal. Maybe you have your own grief with it on the day. Uh, sometimes we've had the case of maybe stillborns, babies, young children. Uh, I haven't had to deal with, with children yet, but uh, uh, young people, or people who are middle-aged and so on, yes, it, it's quite common, really. Very and, tough. It brings it tough. home to you. It, it does, it does. It's, we sometimes think it's never going to happen to us, but then when you see uh, that it could be anybody, it could be anybody, uh, for whatever reason. You could be ill, it could be an accident, uh, or whatever. Uh, and as you said before, we, we can't always be prepared, but if we do know, because it's an elderly relative or something, it always helps to be as much or as prepared as we can for it. Uh, we, do, we do get a lot of people that come in and pre-plan the funerals uh, with us. It's quite a common thing with, uh, uh, with funeral directors and funeral companies all around the world. People will come along and uh, pay for the funeral beforehand to take that burden off their family. Uh, everybody can't afford the funeral at the moment in time. And they also give us their wishes. They will also give us their wishes. And when the person passes away, everything's looked after for, which is, which is something that I think is brilliant for a family because it's the last thing they need to worry about, but it is at the full. So what did the person want? How much is this going to cost? So if it's all been sorted for you, let the family grieve. So it's yeah. something I do encourage, and, and, and we do that mainly with elderly people, but they, but they do pay for everything and leave everything settled, all their wishes. Sometimes even they put their wishes because they know there might be a rift within a family. Uh, things might not be great. Some funerals that I, I've had to deal with haven't been the most pleasant of situations with family members that are not in the best of places. Uh, and we've just got to keep 
keep her calm and keep her cool and deal with it as best we can. And some people, before they pass away, when they know that's going to happen, they will put down their wishes to avoid any problems within the family. Adrian, for someone who deals with death on a regular basis, and I know you've, you've dealt with the church, you're an empathetic, feeling, emotional person. What do you feel about death and dying? How do you look at it for yourself? It's... Personally, I'm, I'm a very spiritual person, a, a believer all my life, worked in, in the church all my life. So I do, I do have my own beliefs about death and what I think will happen to us when we pass away. Um, but in the broader sense, uh, death is something that we're all going to have to confront at the end of the day. Uh, one of the priests always mentions it in his, in his sermon, and I'm sure he doesn't mind me quoting it, and he always says, uh, whether we like it or not, or whether we believe it or not, uh, this is something that we're all going to face. The coffin is a reality, he always says that. And, and that's it at the end of the day. And whatever you believe in, whether you believe in an afterlife, whether you believe, I have this, not an argument, this discussion with friends of mine regularly before even I was involved in a funeral industry. Do we just shut our eyes and that's it? Uh, or is there something else? Uh, all the love that we had about us, was it there for a reason? Uh, the person's memory, is it the memory that lingers on? Is it the love that we had for the person that lingers on? I don't know. Each person has to deal with it as best they can. We're back to what you asked before. I feel the better prepared we are for it, the better. The less taboo there is around the subject, the better. I think more could be done to, to break those barriers down, uh, to, to not have to be worried about talking about a funeral or about a coffin or about a cemetery or about ashes, uh, because it's going to happen to all of us. It's going to happen. Children are going to have to see it sooner or later. Uh, I've even had pets here at, at the funeral, and, and even the pets senses something there. You know? So it's a special time. It's going to happen to all of us. So the better prepared we are for it, the better in whatever you believe or don't believe, as the case may be. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.